podcast about friends and how I met your mother. I'm David. I'm Natalie. And how are you today, Natalie? Uh, I'm good. I'm good. It's um, <laughs> you had to think about it. Yeah, um, it's that weird week between Christmas and New Year where everyone is just kind of like uh, in limbo. It's like I'm working, but it's very very slow. And I'm oh, only kind good. of partially working because most people are on vacation. You're on vacation. Yeah, I'm off this whole week. I went to the movies today and then got stuck in terrible traffic coming home. So, like, yeah. not everybody's off. It's like The stereotype is always that L.A. between Christmas and New Year's is, like, traffic's a dream. Yeah, that's not true anymore. It's true on Christmas Eve and Christmas Day because I also went to the movies on Christmas Eve. <laughs> I went to see the Fablemans on Christmas Eve and, like, traffic was great. But today I went to see Guillermo del Toro's Pinocchio. It was very good. Yeah. but and, and I had good traffic on the way there. But coming back, it's also raining. And, and Angelinos notoriously don't know how to drive in the rain. Yeah. Um, why are you looking at me weird? Is there I'm something not. on my face? No, I thought you were looking at me weird because my hair was all matted down. Oh, it is, actually. <laughs> and I, I knew you were wearing a beanie today. I was wearing a cool. beanie all day, so my hair, even though my hair is very short, it's on the longer side. I need a haircut. I'll talk to you about that later. We'll see. Figure that out. We'll schedule that. We'll see about uh, that. But yeah, my hair is all, all pushed down. I'm like, I've got like a Caesar cut. I'm like uh, yeah. ER season one, George Clooney over Or here. like AJ Soprano <laughs> season one or something? No, well, season one, he's, you're like, season like, five or six a oh, okay. when he's like the going to the clubs yeah and yeah, he, yeah. yeah 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 he's like a club promoter. wants to be a party promoter yeah. yeah um so yeah um hope all of our friends and mothers had a good holiday hanukkah mm-hmm. uh christmas i love when christmas and hanukkah overlap me too and the this last... was especially fun because the last night of hanukkah was christmas, christmas day yeah that's so fun yeah yeah it doesn't really matter to us because we don't really do much Hanukkah celebration. We do with your family. We get together once, not yeah. not eight nights in a row. But we also got together with my parents on Christmas Eve. No, no, no. Christmas Eve Eve. Yeah, the 23rd. Yeah. yeah. Um, but I guess I like, because we always notice, because you and I love, because we're like corny old people now, we love to drive around and look at Christmas lights. Yes, we do. And I always liked when a, the occasional house is like, blue and white and has a big inflatable menorah or, or, or inflatable dreidel or a big like menorah on the lawn or something like that, you know? But I always feel bad when it's like, cause sometimes like by the time we're driving around looking at Christmas lights, it's like Hanukkah's over, you know? Cause yeah. sometimes it starts as early as like late November, yeah. you know? So it's always fun when they, they overlap when you're looking at Christmas lights and there's a Hanukkah, a house decorated for Hanukkah. It's also like Timely. I like. I don't know why that's important to me, but I like it. Yeah, there. Like growing up, I always wanted like you know Christmas lights. There's nothing. You're like little Sammy Fableman. Exactly like little Sammy Fableman, um, and similar to little Sammy Fableman, my Fableman? family <laughs> didn't want to be uh, hate crime, so we just had white lights. Okay. Which like there's nothing inherently religious or Christian about colorful lights but yeah. for some reason my family fell into that like oh no well, like Hanukkah has colors you know blue and white and right. maybe gold and silver but let's just do white lights we yeah. don't want to stick out too much in our neighborhood yeah which is sad we shouldn't yeah. be loud and proud about whatever colors we want to decorate our house with yeah um now you remind me of the transparent episode where someone has like decorated the inside of a house with Essentially, like white Christmas lights, uh-huh. 
And Mora refers to them as these Goyesha lights. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't, I, I don't understand. I never will. Um, all right. Well, that's uh, all that's going on. Except I also want to direct people over. If you, I know not everyone who listens to this podcast also listens to Battleship Pretension. I know that our sort of initial base of listeners was people who knew me from my other podcast. Yeah. But now I feel like we have. The friends and mothers. We have our own. The friends listeners. and mothers, I think, yeah, came to us through BP for the most part. Initially, but I, th- I okay. think we've grown past that. But also, um, but I just want to say, for the first time in four months, I did an episode of Battles of Pretension with my co-host Tyler. He's still in the hospital. Yeah. He's speaking. He's on a ventilator, so he's speaking through a speaking valve, is what it's called. So his voice doesn't sound like it normally does. But we did a whole episode. It's. Uh, I'm very proud of it. Um, uh, uh, it's really great to be able to talk to him about movies again and yeah. to put that out there. So you can check that out at Battleship Retention. That's also you can also find the the link to the his family's GoFundMe for his his medical bills is, is pinned to the top of the homepage at battleshipretention.com. Yeah, I I wanted to add this. It's an incredible episode, and it made me cry. And it's oh. emotional, but like very very sweet. Tyler clearly enjoyed himself, mm-hmm. and. You're a great friend. No, no. Yeah. Uh, no, I'm not. But um, thank you. But that's not so on this. Go listen to it. Yeah. It's, go to, go to battleshipretention.com. Donate to the GoFundMe. Yeah. Also listen if you want. Yeah. We miss Tyler. We love Tyler. Absolutely. We love Jenny and the kids. Yeah. And um, yeah, I hope that happens more. Yeah, I think it will. Um, we're not at the point of him being back on the podcast regularly, but I definitely think we'll be able to do it more now that he's on the speaking valve. Okay. But that's not what we do on this podcast. On this podcast, we talk about an episode of Friends and an episode of How I Met Your Mother. And, um... Uh... Sorry. (laughs) We've been doing this... We're in season four. Mm Mm-hmm. You'd think I'd have everything memorized by oh, now. I still, yeah. But like, I now I like I'm good at remembering to do the like we do a segment later called "How Are We Doing." I'm good at researching for that. I've gotten better at. I'm trying to get better at organizing the um, correspondence oh, okay. with with the friends and mothers, having it ready so I don't have to search for it when it comes time to catch up with our correspondence. But I still haven't gotten into the habit of. <laughs> Writing down the episode, titles. The episode titles. I I always do. Okay, so good, good. I can. Uh, I think I have it, but it's just like it's uh, it's. I'm annoying, annoying myself. Um, here we're on season four, episode nine of both shows. Season four, episode nine of Friends is called. I think it's called the one where they're going to party. Is that right? Yes. Okay. And season four, episode nine, I know that one. That's called The Naked Man. Mm-hmm. Now we're gonna put a pin in the Naked Man. Ouch. <laughs> Uh, and it, but we'll come back to him later, but we're going to start with season four, episode nine of Friends, the one where they're going to party. We start on the street, the fake street set. I'm assuming it's supposed to be outside the apartment, but it could also be outside the perk. Uh, yeah. Um, doesn't actually say, but it's uh, Phoebe and Monica have gathered to get the gang on the street to show off the show off the van they bought from their catering company, which has a really awesome airbrush airbrush like dragon. Well, it's like a lady in a metal bikini. Yeah. Yeah, riding a dragon and holding a sword. Yeah. Um, but they're going to replace the sword with a baguette. That's Phoebe's idea. Yeah. yeah. But also the um, nipples light up red on yeah. the lady's like now, metal bikini. Now, here's a question. Does this 
was this a van in existence or did they commission this piece for the show? Oh, my assumption was they bought this used with the thing all the, all and already then, on it. Okay. Because they were saying, like, we don't know what to do with this, with the, the nipples that light up. Because that led to a funny... Yeah. I don't know if you put it in your funniest no, moments. No, no, I mean, like, the show. Oh, I think the show commissioned it. Yes, the, the show, show commissioned, commissioned it. it. Okay, yeah. it wasn't in existence. Yeah. and Yeah, sorry. They I didn't, didn't go on Craigslist and say, we need a cool airbrush van probably not also craigslist didn't exist yet <laughs> you know what i meant the um recycler or yeah, the yellow yeah. pages yeah or the penny saver penny saver yeah <laughs> um but yeah there's a funny joke here where joey looks at the girl and the like the airbrush girl riding the dragon is like i think i know her and then when her nipples light up he's like i do I know d- her. i definitely know her <laughs> uh um Monica got offered a part-time job as a food critic, right? Yeah. That, so this is after the, that. That all leads into the opening titles. After the opening titles, we find out Monica is offered a job as a food critic, just like a part-time one day a week. Yeah, for like the I can't remember the Chelsea yeah. Examiner or something. No, Did you write it down? The um, Chelsea Reporter. Chelsea Reporter, uh, just a, lo- uh, a, a local paper, um, and. She's not having learned her lesson. She's like, can't wait to treat her friends to free meals. She got fired during right. the one with the five steaks and an eggplant for taking the steaks. Um, but uh, I guess she hasn't learned her lesson. So she's going to take people out for a free meal. She's very excited. Meanwhile, I can't remember who initially says this, if it's Ross or Chandler, but their friend nicknamed Gandalf is coming to town. And they're very excited because Gandalf is a party wizard. That's how he got the name. Yeah. Gandalf. Um, uh, so they're very excited about the fun times they're going to have with their buddy Gandalf. Um, uh, there's a funny, I can't remember if it's here in the next scene, but Joey doesn't know who Gandalf is. Yeah. Uh, D- Joey doesn't know, like, in Ross is like, didn't you read? We'll, we'll get there. Oh, we will get there. Okay. We'll, we'll get there later. Okay. Um, it's interesting. Um, there's a lot of, like, uh, Lord of the Ring mention and then iconography with the van because there's a dragon in it yeah yeah right? yeah it's like smoke yeah yeah um so uh at rachel's job uh she is looking to apply for a new opening as an assistant buyer in junior miss right mm-hmm. and she approaches joanna about it um and Joanna reveals that she's actually on the board or whatever the that's going to hire for that job. Yeah. And then she, like, implies that Rachel could get the job with some sexual favors to Joanna. It's, like, yeah. weird, like, yeah. harassing, but kind of funny. Yeah. Um, meanwhile, Chandler's, like, so pumped about hanging out with Gandalf. Uh, Joey is, like, weirdly the reasonable one, which I which I love, that he's, like... What are you talking about? Yeah. Yeah, he's, like, we could do whatever we want, you know? Um, and then we, and like, there's a whole thing where last time he was in town, they ended up on a fishing boat and went up to Nova Scotia or something mm-hmm. and, and, like, got, like, drunkenly, like, wandered around Canada or, or whatever. Yeah. Things get wild with when Gandalf's around. Yeah, and... and Ross is like come prepared to hang out with Gandalf and he has his passport, fresh socks, and a snake bite kit. Yeah. And I don't know if this is in your funniest moments, but Chandler's like, Ross, it's not gonna be exactly like <laughs> yeah. last time, which yeah. is pretty funny. That was funny. Um but then Gandalf's not coming. 
like many people this holiday season, his flight is canceled or something. Yeah. He's stuck in Chicago. Yeah. Uh, Ross says Chicago's so lucky. Uh, um, uh, and uh, I can't remember if it's Ross or, or Chandler. I guess it's Ross because Ross is the one who was prepared for the exact same thing as last time. He's like, what am I going to do with all this Canadian money? Um, which is funny, but I also think about it, like I have a bunch of Canadian money because I've been to Canada three times for Quit bragging. <laughs> for the Toronto International Film Festival. And the thing that is so strange about Canadian money is how much of it is still in coins. Mm-hmm. That like well yeah that's like the British pound. I guess yeah. Um, I haven't been to England since I was seventeen. Um, but uh, yeah, they have like one in two dollars, uh, loonies and toonies yeah. are are coins and like that's I don't like to carry any coins at all if I can avoid it but when I'm in Canada I generally have like a backpack with a bunch of coins yeah and it's weird to like sit down and order a beer and then like slide over a bunch of coins it feels like Lord of the Rings it feels like I'm at the like Like the tavern (laughs) pieces of eight yeah yeah (laughs) yeah I mean yeah having like a like a pocket full of um quid yeah. To like pay for a drink, it's just like it weighs you down. Yeah, it's funny, but yeah. Um, all right, so uh, let's see. Canadian money, then. Um, Real quick. Oh, go ahead. This is a pet peeve of mine. So when Gandalf calls and like has to calls from the airport and has to flake, mm-hmm. Chandler just says, "Oh, that's too bad." Okay, and hangs up. Like you don't say, "Hey, how?" Like you don't say bye even yeah. at the very least. And this is like yeah. a common trope in TV shows and movies that they yeah. don't say bye over the phone yeah but why it it just like takes me out of it yeah it's very annoying yeah feel like this is not real life if it's trying to emulate real life this is very 100 percent with you yeah uh the other thing that's like that in tv tv and movies is people like making plans quote unquote to go on a date but never specifying where and when are you picking me up yeah are are we meeting there (laughs) should i be ready at my house (laughs) what's the dress code um all right so rachel's interviewing for the job among the board of the three people interviewing for the job is richard fancy aka Lippman from seinfeld yes is, is is one of them yes um joanna is completely tanking Rachel's chances of getting the job by like damning her with faint, faint praise and yeah. talking about how she's good at getting coffee and bagels and that's about it. And she, she gets the order right most of the time. That mm-hmm. sort of thing. Yeah. Um, it's, it's, it's mean. Speaking of mean, Monica wrote an awful review of the restaurant they went to, which is called Alessandro's. And then Alessandro himself played by Taylor Negron shows up at her door. I don't know how he got her address, but uh, at her door shows up and, and um, Phoebe buzzes him in, which is funny. And um, yeah, but you uh, hear her like downstairs, like, Oh, do you need to get in? Cause like, oh, yeah, Monica's, Monica's like, like, I'm not letting you in. You'll never, cu- you'll never come up here. I'm never letting you in. And yeah. then we hear Phoebe. Oh, do you need to come in? Go ahead. Yeah. Hey Monica. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so uh, Alessandra shows up and, and reads her the riot act um, it's an Italian restaurant, and they realize they he reveals that he's from Lebanon. I don't know. Yeah, I just saw now that Taylor Negron died in 2015. Oh, that sounds right. Yeah, it's very sad. It's very sad. Um, always liked him. Um, okay, so uh, yeah, he's from, he's from Lebanon. I'm I'm assuming that means the country of Lebanon, not Lebanon, Missouri, which is a 
real time. Uh, <laughs> now I was just reading Taylor Negron's obituary, Sorry. I guess. Okay. <laughs> um, blah, blah, blah. No, I'm, I've lost track. Um, Rachel confronts Joanna and Jan Joanna reveals that she didn't, she tanked her chances of getting the job because she doesn't want to lose a great assistant, which is a mean thing to do. Yeah. Um, much later uh, in the real world chronology, Princess Carolyn will do that to her assistant on Bojack Horseman. Yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, it's mean. Uh, but eventually Joanna says, okay, to keep you in my department, I'm going to create a new position as assistant buyer in my department. You can get a promotion, your own office, a raise, all this stuff. This is after Rachel like threatens to walk out. Yeah, and- yeah, that's right. That's right, yeah. Um, Ross and Chandler are moping around because Gandalf's cannot come into town. Uh, uh, he's not coming down Gandalf Lane. Um, Joey is like, hey, we don't need Gandalf. We can go party on our own, right? Yeah. So they go out and they're like, yeah, let's hit the clubs or whatever. Uh, we find out that Monica got hired. Alessandro offered Monica the head chef job because he made her or she made him a like tomato sauce. And was like, here's how you to, actually do yeah. it. And it was so good. He was like, I'll hire you. Um, and she's about to break the good news. But then Rachel's good news like kind of supersedes it. And she can't stop talking about her promotion. And then Monica eventually has to tell Phoebe the news, which is bad news to Phoebe because they like have sank a lot of money into starting this catering business uh, uh, together. Um, meanwhile, the guys who've like been daytime clubbing or whatever <laughs> stop at the perk for a pick me up. Well, I and think then... the perk is open late, so it's possible. But wasn't it light outside? No, it was night. Oh, in my memory, it was light outside in this scene, but maybe you're right. Um, but they're like admitting that they're like tired. Yeah. Which is like, but then they say, I think I was like on board with them cause I'm 40. But then they're like, look, we're 29. Yeah. We're not young. And I was like, 29? Yeah. I was definitely still, yeah. like, I had a lot more stamina Absolutely. than they did at 29. Yeah. But I think people are just like, people have a different idea of age now than they did before. You know, I'm not saying anything new, but like, um, the uh, TV critic and great uh, Twitter follow Emily St. James did a thing of like casting the Golden Girls now oh, based on how old yeah. they were. And it's like Carly Gugino or whatever. Like, yeah. even we don't think of as old. Yeah. Like, so our idea of aging has changed. Totally. Yeah. So, yeah, I'm 40. And, and we've I'm, talked about the friends seem much older than they actually are. Well, yeah, that was a big part of why I liked How I Met Your Mother more at the time was I was like, okay, I believe these people are in their late 20s, early 30s. They right. don't seem like my parents and aunts and uncles yeah. the way the friends do. Yeah. So yeah. when when the guys went to, like, go to the club, they were, like, big sticks in the mud and, like, wouldn't touch anything or like talk to anyone yeah they were well they were complaining about it being too loud yeah. and it was like this is that's a big cell phone you you losers <laughs> you bunch of fucking dorks um it is like it brought to mind um you didn't watch portlandia but there's a great portlandia sketch about like going to shows when you're i think you adult. showed me that and it's just like very very funny and relatable like oh it's gonna be like cold and uncomfortable and you're gonna have to wait in line and like 
buy these drinks. You know, like, it's yeah. just like, let's just stay home. <laughs> yeah, but don't they, they like, uh, you showed me the sketch because they go to some show and they come home and all they do is complain about it. Yeah. But then he's like, I got to get to bed. I have to get up super early to get Prince tickets or yeah. something like yeah. they're just going to do it all over again. And I, I do the same thing. Like I love going to shows. I love seeing live music. I love, you know, getting tickets to concerts. And then there's like a five minute period when I'm like, Oh, I have so much to do tomorrow. Like yeah. there's like one moment of that. <clears throat> but then once I'm there, I really enjoy myself and have a good time. So it's, you know, you just have to, I don't know, suck it up sometimes. <laughs> yeah. But there are certain things like I am very like aware of myself getting older and sometimes I beat myself up about things like that. Mm -hmm. But there are certain things that's like, well, if I've always been that way, I'm less bothered by it. So that like I love going to concerts, too, but I have always been like if a concert is even like mid, there's a part of me that's like, let's wrap this up. <laughs> Like, you know, if I'm standing, especially if it's like a standing room only, which is what I prefer. I don't like sitting during a concert, but yeah, sometimes no. you have to um, at certain venues. But if I'm standing and the concert is like not great, yeah, I do start to get a little like impatient, like huh. tapping my feet, looking at my watch or whatever. But I've, always, I've been like that since I was a teenager. Yeah. Like if it's a concert is only half good. Yeah. Um, well, you and I had this, com this conversation that this wasn't so much about the concert as the format. We went to see the new pornographers and they did. You went two nights in a row. Yeah. They did the first night when you and I went, they played Mass Romantic in, in full. Yeah. And the second night was Twin Cinema mm -hmm. in full. Mm -hmm. So I went the Mass Romantic night and I'd never been to one of these shows where a band does a full album in sequence. And I'm realizing it's like it's not actually like the sequencing of an album is not the same as planning out a set list for a concert. And I found myself finding it kind of weird because like Mass Romantic as an album is what, like 40 minutes? Yeah. They're obviously going to play more, yeah. but they finish Mass Romantic. They leave the stage and, and they came the back. And normally when you do an encore, it's like three to five more songs or whatever, yeah. but they played another 40 minutes, which like is right for the time of a concert. Yeah. But it was weird in terms of pacing. I, I disagree. I, I thought it was a delight and I liked, you know, it's a, it's almost like nostalgia. Like everyone there was like, you know, within our same like age group. So you want yeah. to like the songs in sequence, seeing, seeing that live is really fun. Like an album that you love and like listen to over and over again in sequence as an album. It's, it's fun. No, it's I like, agree with that part. I'm saying, don't you feel like everything that came after they played the album felt like a weird afterthought? No, no. Okay. It's a band that I love, so I want to hear more. I mean, you and I have seen the new pornographers before, yeah. and I loved them. Yeah. We saw them at the Fonda. Yeah, but they played, like, tons of songs, and then it kind of, like, it allowed them to kind of create their own set list, like what they want to play. But that that's what a show is. I think yeah. I just prefer that. Okay. Yeah, I don't. I, I think, yeah, the... The... Um, Playing a full album in sequence thing seems like a good hook, but, and maybe it's good for like a festival slot where you're only playing mm. 45 minutes or so. Mm. Okay. Friends, I, friends I and mothers call to action. Yeah. Do you like seeing a band play an album in full? Yeah. I'd never done it before. This I don't was think my I first time. Yeah. And yeah. I thought it was fun. Okay. Uh, we got way off track. Um, Monica and Phoebe talk, Phoebe's still like hurt that Monica wants to quit the catering thing. They talk at the perk and, and Monica agrees to, 
not take the job at Alessandro's and do the catering thing. And Phoebe is happy at first, but then she's like, no, like, this is clearly what you want. So you should take this yeah. this job. Well, this was after, like, um, Monica comes up with pages and pages of notes of ideas of what Phoebe can do with that van. <laughs> yeah. And that all, like, entail, like, delivery or picking up something. Yeah. Um, but then when Phoebe discovers just, like, how much trouble Monica went to to kind of make this okay, she realizes, like, this is a dream of Monica's. yeah. yeah. Um, so I wonder if that means we're going to get more, well, you would know, but are we going to get more Taylor Negron? Um, we shall find out. Um, well, uh, yeah, I mean. We get more in this episode, but I'm saying, yeah. like, is he going to be, you know, her boss or whatever going forward? And he's going to have more, again, the listeners probably know, you probably know, I don't know. Um, Joanna goes to work and, uh, I don't know who, like an office manager or someone is there, but she's played by, uh, uh, Veronica's mom from Heather's. Wasn't she also on the hiring panel? Was she? The interview panel? I thought it, thought she was one of the three of the interview. Maybe I was so like starstruck by Richard Fancy that I didn't notice. Yeah. But yeah, I definitely noticed her as I was like, Oh, that's Veronica's mom. She was also the grandma on charmed. If you ever watched charmed, Mm-mm. um, uh, I don't think Charmed was ever that great, but I feel like listeners, friends and mothers called action. Was Charmed a good show? Let me know. Uh, um, <laughs> anyway, I watched like a season of I it. I saw because, like a, a few bits and pieces here and there. Well, here's what happened. When I first went to... Shannon Doherty? Well, Shannon Doherty only for the first season and then okay. Rose McGowan after that. Because okay. Shannon Doherty, as is her reputation, was apparently very difficult. I don't want to feel like stories about women being difficult yeah. In Hollywood are often like tinged with sexism. And yes, so yes. Um, I don't want to like play into that, but that's just the story. So she mm-hmm. left and was replaced by Rosemary Gowan. Well, another like um, Rose McGowan also gets a lot of shit for being a problem. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I, I'm, I'm a fan of both. Yeah. Um, what was I going to say? Uh, oh yeah so when I first started college college uh, I talk about my accent um, I um, that was the first time I really like discovered TV in a way because mm-hmm. I was like such a movie teenager that other than like Seinfeld and News Radio which I would watch in reruns because I thought they were funny I mostly thought I was too good for TV yeah and then I started college and I became friends with some other nerds who were in my dorm who were into Buffy and Angel and that got me into Buffy and Angel and then I was like hey maybe TV's good and I started just watching everything that's also how I watched those Gilmore Girls season one so like Gilmore Girls is great but also I was watching like Charmed and like The District and The Education of Max Bickford it's just all these like shows that you don't even remember that I was just like maybe TV's good maybe all TV's good West Wing would have been on at that time yeah. so like I well, was, TV was discovering not good, a lot of good TV right. it was like right at the beginning of what was starting to be the golden age you know because yeah. the sopranos had started um we should define the end of the golden age like when did the golden age end um, you know that 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 particular golden age of tv i feel like it started with sopranos i think everyone's gonna have a different opinion yeah. it's like snl is like oh right. this is the golden age yeah. it's everyone's like 20s right but i, I think people know what i'm talking about when I talk about this, what the golden age of television, the second golden age of television, as people say, that's the explosion of like prestige TV and stuff like that. 
I feel like it started with The Sopranos. Did it end with like Breaking, Breaking Bad? Breaking Bad, maybe? Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So Mad Men is in there. Yeah, Mad Men would be in there. The Wire is in there. The Wire. Um, I would include Lost. You don't think Lost is as good. I think Lost is up there. But there's a lot of other stuff, like Halt and Catch Fire and a lot of little like smaller things in there. Um, but I do remember this is going to sound mean. I've generally tried to stop. There's like a pandemic resolution to stop being mean on Twitter. But now on podcasts, I say mean shit. But I remember you and I watching like the second season of The Deuce on HBO and thinking to myself, I think the Golden Age is over. It's, it's bad. It's bad. <laughs> that first season of The Deuce was not bad. It wasn't great, but it wasn't bad. But the seasons two and was... then season three, woof. Yeah. It got real bad. Yeah. Um, okay. We're way off track. Uh, but we're almost done. So Jennifer Rhodes is the actress who played Veronica's mom on Heather's. And she breaks the news to Rachel that Joanna died. She got hit by a cab and died. It's sad when it's like a recurring character just like dies off screen and it's like funny, I guess. Yeah. I feel kind of bad for Joanna. Yeah. Um, she was kind of terrible. Yeah. But now Rachel has found out that the paperwork never went through this new position and promotion and everything isn't going to happen for her. Yeah. And now she doesn't even have anyone to assist. Yeah. So who knows what's going to happen. But yeah, Rachel's like, did she say anything yeah. about, but that's a storyline that happened in another show, right? It sounds familiar. Where someone was offered like a promotion, but they died. Do you know what I'm <laughs> talking about? Well, there's the Seinfeld where George gets offered the job. And he said, of course you're aware. And then he gets, interrupted and then he like gets arrested or something and so george just okay. starts showing up at the job like he okay. has it okay maybe that's it then yeah yeah okay uh, um another plot point stolen from seinfeld yeah yeah seinfeld. that should be another um little little segment stolen from seinfeld yeah yeah there's i was watching the seinfeld um the other day it's the one uh <laughs> the one where <laughs> Kramer has the Japanese businessman sleeping in his huge chest of drawers <laughs> and Elaine's dating the like snobby guy. Uh-huh. Um, anyway, so that's also there's like the Japanese thing uh, comes up because Jerry is like on in the opening credits of some Japanese comedy show and he keeps getting these 12 cent like residual checks. Yeah. And so George is coming up with this idea like let's pitch our pilot again to Japanese TV He's and George says something about like, like you turn on the TV these days, it's all just a bunch of thirty-somethings in New York or sitting in their apartments whining about their dates, um, and it's like clearly self-referential. Yeah. But also, I think talking about shows like Friends that clearly came in the wake of Seinfeld. Yeah. You know. Yeah. Um. Anyway, uh, so Jenna died off screen. Rachel doesn't get the thing. Um. And then the tag at the end is Taylor Negron. Uh, introducing Monica to her new staff, who it turns out is comprised of the children of the chef that he form- he fired to replace <laughs> to, to to hire Monica, and uh, they like hate her automatically. Um, uh, new set who dis? We get Alessandro's uh, kitchen. Kitchen, yeah. Um, but that wasn't the final tag. The final tag. Um, and I'm sorry to correct you, is um, at the... I correct you all the time. I'm, I'm ecstatic about you correcting me. Uh, okay. It's at um, Rachel's office where she has to break to Sophie that Joanna died. 
And That's Rachel right. said, like, oh, you must not have, like, heard the news. And Sophie's like, no, I did. Yeah. And she couldn't she's be so happy. happier because she's been abused by this horrible woman for years. Yeah. Um, yeah. I don't know if I want to tell this story. Um, I had a job where I did not like my boss. And I would come in at 6 a.m. I would always beat my boss in to this job. It was a PA job where you work long hours. And I did not like this boss. I remember one time at 6 a.m. and I'm like making the copies for the, it was a PA job. So I'm like making the script pages for the day or whatever I was supposed to start off my day doing. And the phone rings and subconsciously I was like, I hope this is so-and-so saying she's not coming in. (laughs) And I answered the phone and I hear my boss go, David, I was in a car accident. I'm not coming in. (laughs) I felt so bad. Um, she was fine. Her car was fucked. Yeah. And to this day, Angelinos, if you drive slowly through the intersection of Highland and Olympic, you'll notice on the northwest corner, there's a patch of bricks in front of the a house where a patch is a different color than the rest. It's because she got T-boned so hard that her car went through a brick wall oh. and they had to replace the, the, the bricks. I remember like when she finally came back, she was like, she was like, David, like she was taking taxis or something. And she was like, I need to get some stuff out of my car. It's at this lot because it was towed because it's not usable. And um, she was like, will you take me to my car? So I drove her to this lot and we're walking up and I see her car and we're approaching from the left side. And I'm like, oh, it doesn't look that bad. And then I go around and the entire right side of the car was just like Oof. caved in. Like it's lucky she was the only one in the car in the driver's seat, which is on the left side. Yeah. Anyone sitting on the right side of the car would have been killed. Yeah. Um, well, you willed it into... I didn't mean to. Well, you did. I didn't mean to. Um, all right, so I feel bad about that. Any more observations or anything else you want to correct me about? Because I'm, I'm... I wish. I wish yeah, I, I wish could. it. Yeah. Uh, I should just say more stuff that's wrong. <laughs> no, let's uh, move on to funniest, right? Okay. Um, uh, funniest moments. Um <laughs> Uh, well, I wrote, you already talked about it, so I'll mention just, like, how happy Sophie was at the end. It's, like, one yeah, of the funniest moments. That was very funny. What do you got? Um, I have quite a few. Um, when, like, Joey didn't know who Gandalf was, and Ross is like, didn't you watch Lord of the Rings in high school? And then Joey said, no, I had sex in high school, <laughs> yeah. which you alluded to earlier. Yeah. Uh, well, I'll say... Um, Going off that, uh, Joey, not knowing who Gandalf is, he comes home when Ross and Chandler are moping, and he says, hey, what are you guys doing here? I thought you were going out with Gandalf. I loved um, Monica's, like, written pep talk to the kitchen staff of Alessandro's. I didn't write everything, but with a dollop of perseverance, or no, a dollop of cooperation, a pinch of perseverance and they're all like, like a dash of, yeah, yeah. yeah all they're like, all yeah, just like so terms. annoyed with her because I think the head chef was fired, which is their, their dad, their dad. Yeah. <laughs> sad, sad story. Um, I liked, I'm surprised this isn't on yours cause it seems like it's something that would make you laugh. Um, the, the food critic that Monica is replacing is uh, Monica's like, remember that guy I told you about from cooking school who loves cilantro? And Phoebe's like, oh yeah, cilantro, cilantro Larry. Larry. <laughs> oh yeah, that wasn't my funniest. Um, similarly, when Monica is like telling Alessandro that like his food is inedible, she's like, I couldn't eat it. None of my friends could eat it. And one of my friends eats books. 
<laughs> which is a throwback to which is a throwback when Joey and or Chandler and Ross were complaining about how they never have fun, and Joey was like, "Remember that one time we gave we went to the strip club and then you paid me fifty bucks to eat a book." <laughs> Uh, all right, my last one is also Taylor Negron related when she's like, let me show you how to make a sauce. And he says, how long is this going to take? Because I got I got another critic I got to go yell at. Yeah. Um, this is kind of like a like a throwaway line, but I thought it was funny when um, Rachel was like walking out of the office and is like, I'm just going to collect my things. And she like only has like two things in her drawer. And Joanna says, put your sad little muffin back in the drawer. <laughs> Uh, any more? Uh, nope. All right, let's move on to Friends But Make It Fashion. Yes. Uh, I'm going to go with uh, when Rachel confront, talks to Joanna first about wanting to interview for the job. She's wearing... You can tell when, like, a show is successful and clearly, like, um, has the money for a wardrobe. Because I don't know... I'm not good at, like, brands or whatever. Mm-hmm. But whatever Rachel is wearing, which is, like, a double-breasted pantsuit that's like this drapey like it's clearly like a high quality wool the way it drapes it looks great on her especially it has a skirt no she's wearing pants oh okay in, in this scene maybe okay. when she interviews she's wearing a skirt i'm talking okay. about the gray thing she was wearing yeah um and i especially noticed when she bends over to get the um sad little muffin out of the drawer mm-hmm. the way the fabric like falls it was like that's a nice suit it's like perfectly tailored yeah to her body that's so nice yeah 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 i noticed yeah. that too um phoebe has her green pea coat which i've liked in the past uh yeah i did like that um the coat uh the only other one i have to mention not at the very end but when sophie when joanna's still alive um she calls Sophie in to abuse her. I can't remember why. Mm-hmm. And Sophie's wearing like a green skirt suit. Yeah. Which is kind of like, because Sophie's a redhead. Yeah. And like that green and red thing, really she pops. looks like April O'Neil. Yeah. It's, well, I guess April O'Neil wears yellow. I can't remember now. But she still looks like a comic book character, like a yeah. 40s comic book character. Yeah, I like it. Yeah. Um, let's do a quick props to their props department. Okay. Um, Magna Doodle used... Um, uh, appropriately to say whatever dude <laughs> <laughs> and then also there's a box of clearly Snyder, Snyder's of Hanover pretzels yeah. but it was like taped off so it okay. was just like blurred I definitely noticed the pretzels because I was like hmm. you love those pretzels I love those hard teething biscuits is what you call them yeah, yeah. just a biscuits teething <laughs> biscuits uh, what's under the umbrella anything I, don't, I didn't write yeah, anything down um, quite a few things okay. um there's a lot of like gross heteronormativity when like Ross was saying like his kind of night is like taking a bath and listening to Kenny G and then either Joey or Chandler says yeah. we're 29 not women. Yeah. Um Yeah, Kenny G sucks no matter who you are. But just the fact that he would want to like <laughs> yeah. indulge in a bath and like relaxation that's like womanly. Yeah. Yeah. You know. I'm not pro bath personally. I know, but it's not because you're a man. No, I just don't like sitting in like a uh, hot soup of my own filth. I've said this to you before. <laughs> There's always a shower afterwards. You t- use like a bath bomb or like bubbles or whatever in the bath and then you rinse it off afterwards. It doesn't mean it's not like nice and relaxing to lay there. Okay. I could lay on a bed though. 
But the whole point is being submerged in hot water. And I guess I don't understand why that's relaxing. Because there's like oils. You like being in water. It's a calming, comfortable feeling. So your body in like a hot tub of water, that's relaxing. I don't know. I like a shower because in addition to it being warm water, it's also moving water and it's loud. In a bath, it's not moving and it's not loud. But what if you listen to music or like... A book on tape. <laughs> You're right. I'll give it a shot. Give it a yeah. I'll light some candles. Yeah. 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 I, I think it's luxurious. What if I accidentally put a hot cocoa bomb in the bath with me? Careful. <laughs> I'm sure it's happened. <laughs> um, oh, okay. Uh, also, the, under the umbrella, Joanna abusing Sophie and being inappropriate. Oh, um, they were watching um, Duel. Days of Our Lives. Oh, were they? At some point. I missed that. Yeah. Um, let's see. Oh, okay. Phoebe's, um, like, sad history when uh, Monica got a job as, like, the food critic for the Chelsea Reporter. Phoebe says, um, oh, the Chelsea Reporter that used to keep me so warm. Yeah. Which is, like, very, very sad. <laughs> yeah. Um, that's all I have under the umbrella. In that case, should we take a quick break? Yes. We're back from our quick break, and we're ready to talk about How I Met Your Mother, Season 4, Episode 9, The Naked Men. Okay, so... Now they take it away. I wish I had a trigger warning. <laughs> I think I gave you one. You kind of did, yeah. So, listeners, if you know the show, you know that... Well, hopefully you're listening to this if you... You're, do you think, think anyone's listening to this not knowing that... I guess they are. They're just listening to hear us talk. I think so. Uh, okay. Friends and mothers, let us know if you don't watch either of these shows. Yeah. <laughs> Never seen them. Uh, I think we've asked before, are you watching along with us? Yeah. Sequentially. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. Um, let's see. Uh, Ted is trying to recover, still trying to recover after his uh, breakup. Yeah, um, after the altar. With Stella. Um, and he's dipping his toe in water. So he's, um, he's he sees the hot girl on an elevator every day to work. And he's being very, like, gradual and methodical. Um, so he doesn't talk to her for a long time. He starts out slow, like, saying hello. And finally... Um, Asked her on a date. Her name is Vicky, mm -hmm. which is weird because he dated Victoria. Interesting. Right? Yeah, that is interesting. But she's Vicky, not Victoria. Um, oh, sorry about that. He goes back to the apartment and then we get like a funny scene where he says like, um, he, well, he's walked into a lot of crazy stuff on the apartment and that <laughs> introduces right. the idea of the like Chinese food menu on the door to kind of indicate like, don't come in. Yeah. We're yeah. having sex out here in the living room, yeah. I guess. Yeah, there's a funny... I don't know if you have it in your funniest moments, the name of the Chinese place. Uh, we'll, f we'll find out. Oh, we'll find out later? later. Okay. Um, so he's, he's, he's walked in on a goat, obviously, a gunfight. <laughs> <laughs> um, all kinds of stuff. I wrote something here that I can't read. Is, is it Barney submerged in water? <laughs> yes. Yes. He's been holding his breath for 12 minutes, and then Barney just gives Ted a little, like, what's up, nod, like, under the water. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but the wildest thing was um, 
Robin, or no, him walking in on a naked man sitting on the couch. And it's revealed that it was a date of Robin's and he, this date named Mitch, like went up to use the bathroom or use the phone or something while um, Robin had like a a phone call to make um, downstairs. Mm -hmm. Um, And then Mitch explains that this is like a common move that he has of like, if he is totally disinterested in the woman he's on a date with, he will, uh, what? That first part has nothing to do with what you're saying. What? If he's totally disinterested, he never said anything like that. If he's not interested, he doesn't think he has a shot. Right. But that's about her, not about him. Yeah. He's saying I'm a big loser who has nothing to offer. This is my last, but then when it's used by Barney later and even Ted, they weren't interested in the person more than sex. Oh, so yeah, that's definitely a problem. Yeah, so, but that, I'm just saying Mitch didn't say what you said he said. Okay, but the concept you of... You correct me, I correct you. The concept of the naked man is, this has nowhere to go, I this might as well get some sex out of it. So... This is my last... This is my last... Last ditch ever, yeah. Yeah, and supposedly it works two out of three times. Don't Mitch, believe that. Mitch assures um, Ted... Um, but, I mean, this is basically, like, Louis C.K. It's, like, it's, criminal, and it's, like, it's beyond indecent. It's it's criminal, um, what he's doing. I mean, yeah, it's insane. And the whole conceit the, of would, this episode, the whole joke of the episode is so troubling. And this is not me being, like, you know, woke or PC. This is, like, this is criminal behavior. But I'm saying I, I think like pre Me Too, <clears throat> there was a lot of there was a lack of awareness of that sort of thing. Like it's just like oh, it's a naked. Well, it was guy. never okay. But it's, the fact that they knew enough to later in the episode show the response of Barney's date of the one they out of knew three, yeah. that that was the appropriate response. Yeah. So they had the wherewithal to know that this was not okay. She called the. She was going to call the cops. Yeah. She kicked him out. Like. They know that that's the appropriate response to this. Yeah, it's just shocking. I mean, it's not shocking because I was alive at this time. I understand that 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 people treated this stuff as as funny and and weren't really men, especially weren't cognizant of the experiences of women and women. That's why Me Too happened is because women who had all had this experience hadn't all spoken up about it before. So maybe even some women didn't know how much, how common it was among other women. I don't know. Right. But, um, it reminded me of, um, you and I both loved the Australian show, please like me, but there's an episode of that show that is like gobsmacking that they'd made this episode, which is that Tom, one of the characters had, lied to his girlfriend before they first had sex and said he'd had an STD, te- STD test. Right. He hadn't. Right. Had sex with her, then found out, had sex with her out of common, then found out he had gonorrhea. And then, instead of coming clean, asked his roommate, Josh, the main character, to slip some penicillin yeah. into the dinner for her. Yeah. And, like, the fact that this is all, like, a comedic premise is, like, shocking to watch that because this was all pre me too to watch it after me too is like so shocking and so like this is exactly what i was nervous about going into this episode because i remember this episode being funny and we'll get more to that later but it is just 
it feels like it's from another century. And like well, speaking of yeah, like so. like in in that example, it's there was a crime committed with the sex act and then doubling down with the another criminal yeah, act. Yeah. So I'm going to segue into the next scene, which like to make matters worse, Marshall's response to all this is like just as I, not as repulsive, but I, you know, I found it even more shocking because shocking. I, did, I think because yeah. I didn't remember it. So Ted goes down to McLaren's where the gang is all there. And he's like, wait till you, get a load of what's going on right now with Mitch and the naked guy. And they're like, Oh no, um, I don't, I don't believe that it works. And then they talk about like the reasons for having sex. And there's a lot of reasons why someone would want to have sex and they're naming off 50 reasons. But, um, let's see. Oh yeah. So they're all saying this won't work. And then Robin like admits that, she does have sex with Mitch. Well, no, they fight because they're like joking about like, uh, oh, Robin's going to call the cops. And someone says like, yeah, Robin might actually shoot him. And they're like, oh, then they like, all get like, scared. Oh, shit, Robin might actually shoot him. And they go upstairs. Yeah, she's a gun nut. <laughs> yeah. And then um, Marshall then says, I quote, I call slut. Okay. Which is like so shocking coming from Marshall, my sweet. Sweet Marshall. But I don't know. Remember when he didn't want uh, Ted to sleep with a sex worker because he thought it was he's, like morally wrong? He's, he's very puritanical. He's got that Midwest, so, like, yeah, yeah. he's a so Lutheran. He's, his whole I'm thing sure. is like, there's no reason to have sex besides love. And even Lily, his wife, is like, there's so many reasons. And she's naming them off. And some of them are funny. Um, I think a lot of them are funny. It, like, I dropped a Cheeto in your lap and now yeah. you're aroused or like... I just want to go to sleep or I'm yeah. bored or I like the last condom in the pack is about to expire. <laughs> yeah. So there's so many reasons to have sex. That's not love. Um, but yeah, Marshall's puritanical. Um, so then they're all going to try to, so Marshall, no, no, I'm sorry. Ted and Barney are both going to use the naked man technique. Um, what so I'm sorry, I'm like just like so flabbergasted by this episode that it's hard to like organize I, my I tried thoughts. to prepare so you, you. You knew. <laughs> so Ted on a date with Vicky, Vicky turns out to be like a terrible human being. She's like abusive to servers. Um she's really like kind of dumb and um I don't know. She's terrible. So then also racist. Yeah, she's racist. She says she doesn't read the Pablo Neruda book because the whole thing's in Mexican. Right. She also refers to it as a turd. That book's a turd, <laughs> which is, I guess it's my one of my funniest. Um, so, yeah, um, once he determines that there's no possible future with this woman, he's going to do the naked man. And then Barney, of course, picks up a woman from the bar who he determines also that he is not interested in beyond. But, I mean, Barney that's never. That's always true of Barney. Yeah, yeah. that's always true of Barney. Yeah, but, you're, then, but what you're saying is very troubling, that Ted wasn't going to do this until he was like, until he, this yeah. is a bad person. I'm going to punish her by having by tricking her into having sex with me. Okay, I don't know if that's what it is, but he's like, I think he's saying, I don't care about her enough yeah. to respect her. But I'm still going to use her for sex. Yeah, yeah, that's what he's saying. Yeah. Um. This is not, I mean, all women have dealt with this at some point in their lives. I know. And it's. What I'm saying is you're, you're 
the same age as I am, like you remember that this kind of stuff in comedy was way more common. I mean, you were going yeah. to alt comedy shows in 2007 or 2008, which means you no doubt heard multiple rape jokes every night. Yeah. That's just the, what was, what was happening at that, at that time. Um, uh, it's, it's shocking now to see how, because things changed so drastically in such a short period of time, it feels but I, alien now, but I'm saying like, but even at this stuff time, is shocking now, but it doesn't shock me for 2008. It's, this is what was, but like considered fun. having being like a victim actually of this happening. I never the, thought it was funny in the same way that like everything at UCB was like, there was tons of like abortion jokes and murder jokes. And, you know, it was like, it was supposed to, it was comedy, you know, like it was a, well, that's what this is, but yeah. I'm not defending it. But I, I, yeah. I'm not saying, I'm also not saying that you would have found this funny in 2008. I'm just yeah. saying you are aware that this I'm stuff aware was, that this was more common yeah. back then. Yeah. I, as a man was less aware of like the, the idea that, coming home to a naked man standing in your home uh, might be traumatizing or, or triggering. I was less aware of that at the time. I thought it was just like, it's a funny thing, especially like, I think they're playing with Mitch, especially they're intentionally casting like a pudgy guy. So it's like, he's funny. balding. He's like yeah. pudgy. He has nothing to lose. He's yeah. like an incel. Like he's not an incel because like he's getting what he wants from women two out of three times. Yeah, there's no way that it works two out of three times. If he had said one out of four, maybe. But I don't it, think so. It but works I out for this so. show because yeah. it worked out for Ted and it worked out for Lily, who also did it, um, to right. Marshall. Yeah. Which, I mean, this is a different story. It's like a married... A married couple, and obviously there's it's just a like the a gender difference is different. Yeah. yeah, it's just like a fun, like, sex capade. Yeah. You know, it's not... Troubling. Um, Barney and we'll get more into this. Barney and Marshall are talking about what kind of pose they're gonna. Adopt. So yeah, they're on the phone with each other in the bathroom, and we see like a lot of naked man, which I like. You know. Yeah. I mean, yeah. You see um, all the way to like. We see almost everything. Well, especially with Neil Patrick Harris, who's in great shape. You, you see his. And uh, they're both in like his, pretty good um, shape, but yeah, especially Barney. I don't know what what's the. Not disgusting name for the, like the V um, above the CGs. Yeah, you see Neil Patrick Harris's CGs. Um, <laughs> listeners, let us know if you know what that is, and if you know, if you know of a more dis a less disgusting term for that. Yeah. Um, uh, let's see. Um, okay, so Robin to. Uh, Robin is trying to defend herself by saying, like, no, I'm not a slut. I wanted to have sex with Mitch because I really like him and we're dating now. So she kind of forces Mitch to go on more dates with her just to prove that she's not a slut, which is... Which is stupid. So stupid. But also, couldn't she have, like... Let's say in this world where the Mitch is... Mitch is thing works the naked mm -hmm. man works right mm -hmm. a lot of his argument is that it works because it's disarming so like mm -hmm. couldn't robin have just said like it made me laugh i thought it was funny so 
Like, I, I feel like that would have been a perfectly acceptable answer. She doesn't have to pretend she's in love with him, but I guess she does because Marshall's being like, uh, I don't know, fucking Republican about it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, she goes on all these dates with Mitch and um, she finally, um, I guess, breaks it off with him. Um, so let's see. Well, he's like, says like, I know what this is and I know what you're doing. This has happened before. So he kind of like, he kind of ends things almost. Yeah. 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 So other, other women have also done this to try to prove. Yeah. And he also uses the term slut. There's Mm -hmm. a lot of, yeah, a lot of slut shaming in this episode. Yes. Um, Let's see. Okay, so then we talked about it before, but um, Barney's date, she has the only correct response, which is to flush his phone down the toilet <laughs> um, and say, like, I, if I ever see you again, I'm calling the cops. And yeah. she kicks him out naked. So yeah. he's still yeah. naked on the street. And we get some, like, hero worship of Mitch walking through the New York streets of you know like yeah. he's a hero that taught them all this like great move yeah and then you um, think louis ck got it from the show no because <laughs> no, men have been doing this I know, i'm joking <sighs> and it is like it is to disarm and to shock and it's never okay it's not yeah consensual yeah well, but also I think with the Louis C.K. thing, it was often because he was like a big name in comedy. And there was he a was power dynamic there because he was doing yeah. this to like up and coming lady comics. But it was a power one thing could too. argue that there's always a power dynamic if a woman feels unsafe and a, a, a man is possibly bigger than her, and in mm-hmm. the back of her mind, I mean, unfortunately, we have to run through all of the scenarios of like this man can harm me if I mm-hmm. don't succumb to whatever he, you know, like. It's a fight or flight response. Yeah. You know, yeah. it's a, it's not like a fun, happy, like, let's, like, this can't be good sex. Right? Yeah. yeah. I, I, I agree. I'm saying, but I like, I think I, a lot of men like me weren't, I'm fully admitting that pre me too, I hadn't really thought about the power dynamic part of it. Right. I'm more aware now. Right. Um, well, I've even talked about it on the podcast. Remember at the gym, I told you. Oh, outside the gym. Yeah. Yes. But this has happened like all throughout, even childhood. Like this has always been used by men to get, whether it's sex or just shock value or a response. And it's a power. Yeah. It's all about. I remember I'm fully just admitting like that. I was ignorant when I was younger. I remember one time I was getting ready to leave the the apartment um, that I lived with my ex-girlfriend to go to a comedy show. I don't know why I remember that part, Um, but we lived around the corner from the UCB. So anyway, uh, and she came home. She was like, I just went through the drive-thru. I drove through the drive-thru with the shell, and when I got there, there was a man standing in the bush at the other side of the drive-thru masturbating. And at the time, I was like, huh. Like, I didn't get that it was, like, traumatizing. I was like, I was like, oh, that's weird or funny. Like, I didn't get at the time, I think I got it. Eventually, when I saw how like uncomfortable, how shook up she was by it, I think I started to get it. But I, I think it, it did take. I'll admit, it took me a while to get how, uh, what the implications of that sort of thing are. And then also, do you remember that time on the metro? 
you were with me and yeah, I was and I, masturbating. And I was trying to like, you of course saw, but I saw and I thought you didn't see. So I was trying to like turn to you and like engage you in conversation and try and keep you from seeing. And then like when we got off, you were like, that guy was masturbating, right? And I was like, yeah. 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 I remember that. Um, okay. And then our tag at the end is, it is kind of funny. Um, even though Barney is like naked walking through the streets, he yeah. like walks by a suit sale, like a, like a, um, there's a whole like, uh, what is it called when there's like a garment rack of like yeah, yeah, discount yeah. suits and they're so ugly to him that like he won't even take one even though he's naked. He'd rather be naked. Yeah. Um, um, my boss, my thought was like, what's he like? He doesn't have a wallet, like, or at least I hope not. <laughs> Where would it be? You would just like grab one and run, and then maybe go back the next day or something. Okay, I hope so. Um, sorry, did you have more? No. Uh, I just wanted to point out. I did think it was cute in the montage of Ted's like uh, elevator courtship with Vicky. We see that they're both trying to time their mornings yeah. so they arrive at the elevator at the same time. Yeah. <clears throat> I thought that was cute. Um, I also, I didn't like, as much as I, I laughed at um, v- Vicky being <laughs> racist about Pablo Neruda because it was a yeah. funny line, but then she also says like something about like, I like real poetry like Jewel. And I, <laughs> I feel like that's, um, I don't know, I never read Jewel's poetry book, but I feel like when Jules' poetry book came out, people piled on it in a way that feels kind of mean mm-hmm. now, I think, in retrospect, mm-hmm. you know? Um, there's a whole thing with, like, Kurt Loder, like, interviewing her on MTV News and, like, pointing out misuses of words in her, like, to her face in the poetry. I feel like making fun of Jules' poetry is, like, maybe warranted on the quality of poetry. I don't know. But it, like, that's another thing that, like, kind of... Yeah. It's the least of the things in this episode that gave me a sour taste, right. but it was, it was one that was like, I don't know if we need to like be mean to jewel. Like why, why are we mad at jewel? You know? Yeah. I mean, we make fun of her as the snuggle tooth songstress song. uh, week after week. But, um, yeah, yeah I agree. Uh, should we move on to funniest moments? Mm hmm. Um, yeah, we talked about it before. Um, how Vicky says about the Pablo Neruda poem, that book's a turd. Yeah. I thought that was funny. And then she says, whole thing's in Mexican anyway, and then she goes, and does yeah. a thumbs down thing, which yeah. is like, funny. Her name's Courtney something. Um, okay. I, I looked it up earlier. I can't remember now. Uh, I'll go with one that it's only funny because it's something that you say a lot. Okay. <laughs> but Vicky compliments Ted on his eyes, and he goes, these old things. <laughs> <laughs> so this is just yeah. fully inviting the friends and mothers into our like inside jokes. But yeah. you always, anytime I compliment you on it, anything, you're yeah. like, this old thing or these old things? Yeah. Um, let's see. Oh, okay. When um, Lily's trying to come up with um, 50 reasons, I think she says this is getting a little hard, and that's like a... That's one of the reasons? Yeah. Um, that's number 46. Yeah. I liked a, a lot of the, like, types of sex were mm-hmm. were funny, mm-hmm. but, or, like, reasons for having sex or types of sex were all, all, all very funny. Yeah. Um, I think... The flat out, like, just funniest line in the episode uh, was kind of a throwaway line. <laughs> Do you remember how <laughs> Barney got himself invited up, invited up to the girl's apartment? Mm-mm. She lets him in and he goes, <laughs> thank you for letting me look at your aquarium. You're a real lifesaver. 
That is funny. <laughs> that is funny. Uh, do you have more? I have, I have, Courtney Ford is her name. Do you have one more? I have one more. Um, no. Um, I can't remember how Barney refers to it, but like it's like, like I wish sex or like sex because like you've never done a certain thing before and he's talking about like I'd like to have sex with a really tall girl and like they move on but then he comes back he's like like if a normal girl were seven seven and a half feet tall yeah (laughs) I thought that was funny Uh, I shouldn't I always say I thought that was funny that's the name of the fucking segment David you idiot stop Uh, should we move on to How I Met Your Mother Make It Fashion yeah Um, there were two statement necklaces Robin and Lily both wore floral tacky statement necklaces i didn't write anything down so i'm just gonna go with uh ted and barney's cgs yeah yeah <laughs> love those cgs <laughs> all right uh anything else um no are we gonna go under the umbrella yeah there's a lot of stuff under the umbrella i mean we we um already called out the the slut shaming we called it we mentioned the goat we mentioned Robin and guns being a, a yeah. running thing. Anything? I have a couple of those. Anything else you, you caught? Um, suiting up or suiting down. So right. the naked man is suiting down. Normally he suits up, but this time he's suiting down. Um, I thought this was really dark, um, but one of the, the reasons to have sex was like banging for roof, which is just like survival sex. Just for a place to sleep. Which, yeah, yeah was like dark and upsetting, which... Yeah. This whole episode was to me. Yeah. Uh, I mean, you say that, but like, I, okay, before we go any further, I'll say like, I had memories, like I, we talked about last week, this yeah. episode when it aired was like, this is one of the best episodes they've ever done. Yeah. And that's so strange. But I also watching it, I also get it. Like when you set aside all the yeah. problematic stuff in terms of just jokes and silliness, there's so much in this episode. There are so many funny things, including, um, I didn't even mention we were talking about funniest moments, but uh, Ted and Barney going back and forth in their, like, calling out the different types of poses they're going to do, you know? It starts with, like, the Superman and the Captain Morgan, but then they get, like, more and more... The thinker. Specific, the thinker, the uh, Olympic gymnast. Yeah. There's, like, all these funny um, uh, uh, funny things. Uh, the Mr. Clean. <laughs> and Ted, Ted not only folds his arms, he, like, does the Mr. Clean smile, which yeah. is pretty fun. There's, like, so much silliness in this episode and all the, like, 50 reasons to have sex and all the different types of poses. And there's a lot of funny stuff in this episode. So, I, like, I feel very, not torn because I know how, like, misguided this episode is, but also I understand why I liked it so much in 2008 because yeah. there are a lot of jokes in it. Yeah. Um, other things. Okay, I I can't remember. Hopefully you can. But I I can't. I know this has happened before on the show. Ted dating someone who seems nice but turns out to be a terrible person. Yeah. It's happened before. Yeah. I can't remember exactly when, but I specifically remember when we were in the. We weren't even calling it under the umbrella then. Yeah. When it happened before, me being like, "This is going to happen again," and I was thinking specifically about Vicky. I was like, "Ted dating someone who yeah. seems like a cute, sweet, pretty like girl next door or whatever," oh, and it turns out to be awful. Well, it was like the. Um, oh, I forget what her name is, but she was like the crazy girl. Oh yeah, right? there was. Um, uh, uh, Marina Baccarin was Crazy Eyes. Yeah. But I feel like there was something else. Maybe that is what I'm thinking of. Friends and Mothers, if you can remember what else I was thinking of, um, let me know. Uh, 
Oh, go ahead. Oh, yeah. You have more? Um, maybe in the next section. Um, well, another thing that happened in this episode that seems to happen a lot in the show is characters calling each other while they're on dates, mm-hmm. <laughs> which is so impractical to me, but it happens all the time on this show yeah. of like Ted being like, remember when Ted was like trying to woo Danica McKellar, but he's like spending more time yeah. in the bathroom than he was with her. Cause yeah. he keeps calling her, calling like his friends for updates. And here you've got Ted and Barney on the phone while they're on their dates doing the naked, the naked men. Yeah. Uh, all right. Um, should we move on to similarities? Yeah. Um, so we talked about it in Friends, like the heteronormativity. Um, there's a scene in How I Met Your Mother in which Ted's wearing makeup and they're making fun of him. Ugh, of course. Um, and he's like t- trying to defend himself like it's made for men. Yeah. And he says he um, he wants his eyes to pop, which mm-hmm. clearly, like... He pulls it off. Yeah. It pays off because yeah. Vicky compliments him on his eyes. Yeah. Do um, you remember, by the way, I don't know if anyone, uh, any of our friends and mothers have watched the sh- um, somewhat short-lived Comedy Central sitcom Corporate. It's oh, yeah. a really funny show. Yeah. And maybe the funniest episode they ever did was the one about the corporation they wore for developing a line of makeup for men. Yeah. So great. Yeah. So funny. Yeah. yeah. Um, also under there is obviously... Um, uh, sexual harassment. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. In both episodes. Um, and then also job interviews. So Rachel has one with the, like, the, she has the... With the board. With yeah. the panel. Panel and is a better word. Robin yeah. is having the phone interview when Mitch is naked in her, in the apartment. That's right. Okay. Uh, the only thing I have is uh, the men mythologizing another man. Gandalf and Mitch. Yes. Good Both one. Get, like, the hero. Uh, yeah, hero worship. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, all right. Should we play favorites? <laughs> Three, two, one. Friends. Friends. It was. I mean, I, I. If I'm, if I'm compartmentalizing, I think there are more jokes in the How I Met Your Mother episode that land. It's just there are too many strikes against the episode. Yeah. But if if I were able to say like, but base this solely on which episode had the most good jokes, it would be How I Met Your Mother. But it's just like, there's just too many demerits for that episode. Yeah. Uh, Well, let's move on. Let's catch up on our correspondence, which... Slim. We have nothing on our last episode. Friends and mothers. Friends and mothers. Well, it's the holidays. Maybe they're busy with their families. But last week I was saying that I would have been like, I was like discombobulated and I was like, did I miss one? I did miss a comment from Yuhani. Okay. So on our two episodes ago... Uh, when I was, I, I was talking about how, how I was watching, um, the Dick Van Dyke show and, and like had seen it here and there on TV land as a kid, but we were talking about like Mary Tyler Moore and I love Lucy and Jihani says, um, he's from Finland. He says, I have a vague memory of not being into I love Lucy as a kid, but I don't think either Dick Van Dyke or Mary Tyler Moore ever even aired on Finnish television in my lifetime. Oh. He said, I watched a lot of 90s sitcoms and some of the slightly older classics like Happy Days, Bill Cosby, Family Ties, etc. My, cho- my most cherished memory of those, however, is of the Golden Girls because the show me and my grandma used to watch together. Um, I have plenty of thoughts on this, which was when I was young, I also did not like Lucille Ball. Um, I didn't get what was funny about her. I just like, what's with the high-pitched voice? I just thought it was like, and she's always like whining about being in the show. I was like, how is this supposed to be funny? Um... I think there's a certain type of like when you're a little kid, you're into silliness. 
And then I think a lot of people like me or would go through a period where I'm like, I only want smart comedy, you know? Mm-hmm. And that's how you get into, I mean, into news radio, which all, could also be very silly, but it also seems smart at the same time. Um, and then I eventually came back to being like, well, they're talking about Lucy Paul's a comic genius. This stuff's hilarious, but I had to go through that period of thinking I was too cool for it. Right. Um, so I kind of have a similar, so what I say to you, honey is like, check out, I love Lucy again. She's like the, the, the level at which she's performing as a comedic performer is, is fantastic. Um, and, and it's, it's hard to, there aren't that many people in the sitcom world since who have shown up week to week and, and performed at that level, I would say. Yeah. So I love Lucy's great. Yeah. Um, Golden Girls is also yes. great in a way that I think I probably avoided Golden Girls when I was younger because I was like, this is for older people, you know? Mm-hmm. But, um, again, the level of joke writing. So good. It's it's just great. Yeah. You know? Um, uh, I, I feel like this is going to be me sounding like an old man. So much, way too much of comedy these days is that the joke writing is just like, uh, that was weird or like mm-hmm. uh, never do that again or like that sort of thing you we know just I, went there yeah exactly it's like or they like uh i heard it as soon as i said it that sort of thing yeah i hate that yeah i like good joke writing and that's maybe why i'm loving the dick van dyke show so much and it's also to not to be too much of a funny daddy and and actually point to a more recent show it's a big part of why i like superstore so much fantastic character-based joke writing on on, mm-hmm. on superstore it's a great sitcom yeah yeah um, I think Superstore, yeah, time. I think time will put Superstore in the pantheon of great sitcoms. Yeah, it's funny, but it's also it. It's earnest, but it's like earn, you know, like it's yeah, earned earnestness. <laughs> yeah, because it can also be incredibly silly, but yeah. also like sharp and like yeah. the best scenes in Superstore, um, without almost without exception, are the more people are in a room together. There, it was such a great ensemble show. And yeah. so whenever they have like the store meetings yeah. and the things would like immediately get off track with people like well, going like, down, that was so funny. The, like the pairings are always like That's one of the delightful. great things. Yeah. It's one of the great things about television that runs a long time is you can like find ways to like pair. Let's, let's see these two. We never see these two together. Yeah. Let's what is their do. like fun, like friendship dynamic or like, what do they do when they're together? Yeah. Um, yeah. It's a great store. Um, uh, great show. Great store. Superstore is a great show. Yeah, I don't think Cloud9 was a great store. No. Um, I used to drive by it all the time. That's one of the Burbank, fun things yeah. about... Uh, it's gone now, but one of the fun things about living in Los Angeles is it was like the outdoor part where the parking lot was and the garden center in the front was a permanent set that was actually like warehouse storage or something just uh, near the Warner Brothers lot. Yeah. Uh, and you could drive by it all the time. Yeah. So for... You know, if anyone wants to let us know, we we had some calls to action. Um, what is a CG? What do you call a CG? Also, like, am I too much of a buzzkill to not enjoy this episode? Am I too informed by uh, my feelings surrounding all of this now? Like, should I still try to enjoy things through the lens of... I, I don't know. Yeah. Maybe I'm, maybe I'm a buzzkill. Do you remember that Onion headline? It was like, a uh, woman takes an hour off of being a feminist to enjoy a TV show. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Should I should I take a half an hour off of being feminist for these shows? Yeah. Well, this brings us to my favorite segment to introduce, which is called 
how were we doing? This is where we look at what happened in the world on the days these episodes aired. So season four, episode nine of Friends, uh, the one where they're going to party, uh, aired on, I'm going to guess, Thursday, December 11th, 1997. Um, and this was the day the Kyoto Protocol was adopted by the United Nations, or by the United Nations, a committee of the United Nations. And this was um, a climate change uh, protocol about um, nations lowering their... Uh, greenhouse gas emissions and stuff like that. Um, yeah, more than 25 years ago, uh, didn't quite do the job, but I guess, you know, I don't know what to say. Yeah. <laughs> We're all dying. It's yeah. very terrifying. Yeah. Um, top five songs in the U.S. Uh, number five, LSG, My Body. Hmm. Okay. And number four. LSG? Uh, LSG. Like LSD, but with a G instead of a D. Number four, Usher, You Make Me Wanna. Number three, Leanne Rhymes. How do I live? Oh, featuring uh, Missy Elliott? Oh, good for her. Um, number two, Elton John, Something By The Way You Look Tonight. Number one, Elton John, Candle in the Wind. Okay. Now, I didn't know if you were going to play the song, so I was, well, I was like, taking a pause. Um, season four, episode nine of... Oh, go ahead, go ahead. Mm. I don't know why it's not playing. Um, you got the sound on? I do. That's that's a big part of it. I don't know it. Okay. Uh, season four, episode nine of How I Met Your Mother, How I Met Your Mother, The Naked Man, aired on Monday, November twenty fourth, two thousand eight. Which, by my math, means this is the first episode of How I Met Your Mother that aired after you and I met. <gasps> we would have met the pre- the preceding weekend. Yeah. Because we, I know, I know it was Thanksgiving weekend, and Thanksgiving was the tw- Thursday, the twentieth. Uh, I had to look it up, but yeah. So um, that's fun. We're into the Natalie and David era. Yeah. 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 Um, okay. What happened in the world on on this day? Um, well, that's all that matters. <laughs> that we had met. It wasn't the day we, we had, met. Yeah. We had met. Yeah. Um, yeah. A lot of. Uh, uh, it's still like we're still in the middle of the global financial crisis. Uh, Citigroup receives thirty-two billion dollars from the United States Emergency Economic Stabilization Act. Okay. Uh, top five songs in the U.S. on that day. At number five, Pink, So What? At number four, Katy Perry, Hot and Cold. At number three, Beyonce, If I Were a Boy. Number two, T.I., Whatever You Like. Number one, T.I., Live Your Life. Okay. okay. Let's move on to our final segment, which is called Challenge Accepted. This is where we try to predict what's going to happen next week on the shows based on the, on the episode title. Before we do that, let's see how we did with last week's predictions. I said, I was way off. Uh, I said Rachel gets the gang invite to her office Christmas party and everyone's pumped for free booze in Mucho Models Caliente. Yeah, we thought this was a Christmas episode. Yeah, it wasn't. Yeah. Um, You said a naked male guest star shows up and shows all at McLaren's and we're not laughing. So that didn't really happen. No. I mean, you were closer than I was, but I don't think no. you really got it. Zero so, points. Yeah, zero points all around. Um, now, let's see. Can you vamp for a second? Oh. 
Sugar plum sparkling beverage. Cauliflower pancakes. Mini chocolate mousse desserts. Ratatouille bites. Okay, season four, episode 10 of Friends is called The One with the Girl from Poughkeepsie. Okay. Now, I was thinking when watching this episode, I was thinking there wasn't much going on in the Ross and Rachel area. So I feel like maybe we're going to get back in because that's like clearly a big storyline. Okay. So we're going to get back into that. Okay. So I'm going to say Ross starts going with a nice gal from up Poughkeepsie way. And Rachel and Rachel try try as she might just can't hide her jealousy. Okay. Alright. So that's what I think is going to happen. Okay. Now, on the next show, season 4, episode 10 of How I Met Your Mother. That episode is called The Fight. The Fight. Oh, right. Yes, this is another good one. Okay. Well, it would probably end up being super problematic, but I remember it being a good one. Um, okay, so who is the fight between? Um, or maybe it's, maybe it's everybody? Is it going to be physical? Is it going to be a physical fight? Okay, um, I'm going to say Barney and Ted fight over a woman. Okay, you're saying physically fight or no? Um, There's the threat of violence. You can tell that's not a good guess. I'm, I'm just trying to figure out how to write it in a way that'll make you laugh. Um, maybe the threat of fisticuffs threatened. <laughs> the, you, you stole fisticuffs from me. Yeah. The threat of fisticuffs threatens. No, no. No, I, I come up with the funny. I'm trying to help you. You needed help. I'm saying. Clearly. So far, I've got. Barney and Ted nearly come to blows over a dame. Okay. Is that good enough? Yeah. Okay. That's good. Uh, all right. Well, then we did it. As what might be our longest episode ever. Uh, we we finished it. We talked about both these episodes. Uh, you can find this podcast wherever you found it. You're already listening to it, so you're good at that. Uh, you can also find a post for every episode at battleshippretension.com. That's also where you can find Tyler's GoFundMe, which we would appreciate uh, you taking a gander at. Uh, you can follow me on Twitter at Davey Pretension. You can email me at David at Battleship Pretension, but you can also email us, email the show, at the one where I met your mother at gmail.com. Um, 
Natalie, please tell the friends and mothers where you would want like them to find you on the internet. I would not like them to. However, uh, if you like this episode, which you probably don't because I can't turn my feminism off for an hour <laughs> and enjoy. I feel like most of our listeners are on the same page. Okay. Well, if not, that's fine, too. Um, but yeah, um, if you like this episode, you should rate, review, subscribe. Tell your friends. Tell your mothers. Go ahead and give us a, a rating. Let us know mm-hmm. your calls to action. We've already discussed. Um, but yeah, let us know. Um, until next time, see you at Mr. Wang's. <laughs> <laughs>